biggest games. The biggest events. Wow, the crowd is on their feet. The biggest stories. This is what you signed up for, Seth. I thought it was just in the game. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Esports Podcast. It's Rachel here in studio with Jacob. How are you today? Doing all right. I'm uh, getting ready to travel for uh, the next three weeks with like four day with a four day break in between them. So I'm preparing my body and my mind, but I'm okay. Any sports events you're heading to? Yeah, so I'll be heading to South by Southwest in two weeks. So uh, I've got some personal travel next week to Scotland, but after that, I'll, I'll be back for like four days, and then I'll head off for South by Southwest. So nice. I've, this will be the third time I've been to South by, and um, yeah, it's always just a great event to see people and network and catch up with a bunch of industry folks that I don't necessarily get to see all the time. So, what are, what else are you looking forward to there? Uh, they are hosting a couple of esports events. They have one that I think is not announced yet. I'm not quite familiar with what it is. That they have a couple of mobile esports stuff there, but there's a lot of good panels. Um, there's one with uh, Sam Matthews and Travis Gafford, which should be good. Sam is the founder of Fnatic. Uh, there's one on the Overwatch League. Um, there's one on uh, diversity, inclusion, and accessibility in esports uh, with Cyra Mueller from Dot Esports and Christina Alejandre from E League. So there's just a there's like I think eight or nine panels for esports there. So I'm excited to like get to see those and kind of see how they work. It was a really interesting one last year that I really liked on esports gambling. So um, nice, which we talked high, about last high week. standard. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, before we kick things off really quick, I want to announce that I'll be speaking at the NYU Sports Law Colloquium on March 30th. Um, the entire awesome. panel, yeah, the, the entire panel is pretty awesome. They're, we're going to talk about women in sports, um, Colin Kaepernick, you know, protesting the national anthem, and the rise of esports. And it's going to be at 245 Sullivan Street. And yeah, I'll be talking about my experience in esports. So it should be pretty fun. We do have several New York listeners who give me feedback pretty regularly, so those people should hear this and attend. Yes. Thank you for that, Jacob. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But getting back into things, recently Riot announced the locations for their international events this year. So we got MSI in Europe, Worlds in South Korea, and Rift Rivals in the U.S., China, Brazil, etc., and All Stars in North America. Um, The last time we talked, I think we mentioned on this podcast first that world was either going to come down to either Europe or South Korea. Yeah, I was a little surprised that it was actually South Korea because we, so we look at things like patterns, obviously, right? And so they had season three worlds in in North America, they had season four worlds in South Korea, they had season five worlds in Europe, and then season six worlds in in China. I actually thought that the rotation was not going to be per major region. I thought the rotation was going to be North America, Europe, Asia. Um, So I was a little surprised that they did China and Korea now back to back, but... I guess it makes sense. So I would expect next year is probably Europe and then we'll back on the rotation like North America and then China, Korea, if that's how they're going to do it. You know, we don't have a lot of precedent outside of, uh, you know, really since Riot became legitimized, I guess, in season three. So and got into a bigger stage. Right. And I think I think I might speak for both of us. That was probably our favorite world championship, the one in South Korea in 2014. Um, Jacob is nodding. So, yes, I am correct. Um, Yes. But. Tell us a little bit about what do you think Riot will do differently this time around to really differentiate it from 2014. I think 2014 was actually like a a huge coming out party for uh, esports. I think it was one of the big times that people kind of woke up and and realized what it was. So I think there's a very high standard to set. I mean, it was in the South Korean Olympic Stadium, if I remember correctly. Uh, I would imagine now with... um, the Korean or the Winter Olympics uh, just now in South Korea that there will probably be leftover facilities and um, probably more event organizers that might be involved from that perspective. 
I think that might have been the reason they actually chose South Korea, because there's going to be a lot of leftovers after the Olympics. I would imagine when they come back to L.A. that they might try to utilize some of the new facilities as well um, if they do a bigger event in L.A. in the future. So I think it's kind of strategic from Riot. Um, I think it's a huge standard to meet. I think that Season 4 Worlds was definitely better than the past two years, and you were at the bird's nest, so feel free to debate with me. But um, I don't know. That, that, that World Championship, both the play was incredible and the, the spectacle was incredible. And I think that the last couple of years the play has been okay, but it was always like one team that just looked like they were going to smash in, in a final, right. and even though the event was cool, it was it was not like measured with the play. I feel like 2014 right. was both. It had both as- aspects. Yeah, I will say that the bird's nest was it was incredible. Like, the scale of it was just ridiculous, but I do understand that there's like something very special about watching a South Korean team win on home turf. Yeah. yeah, And I know that um, in 2014 it was kind of expected that, you know, one of the Samsung teams were going to win, so... No surprise there, but I do think it'll be more satisfying because, you know, at the Bird's Nest, when Samsung Galaxy won, there were cheers for Royal, and it it just sort of killed the hype in a way. Yeah, I, that's kind of how I felt about uh, Season 5 as well in Los Angeles. Is it was the SKT versus Samsung first time they played each other, um, and I, I felt that that was, uh, like, nobody really had a stake in the race. Right, you know, that, yeah. that event to me was the first time that, a lot of the big investors that had invested in esports that year and the year prior had gotten to see League of Legends on that sort of scale, so that was cool. I remember I got to go up into um, Peter Goober's, uh, I don't even know what the word would be, but Peter Goober essentially re- rented out the Lakers box in, in that event, and so I, I got to like see the revolving door of all these cool investors. Um, but yeah, it, I if, would love to see the experience of a South Korean team winning on, on home soil this year. Right, and I think what we haven't talked about yet which was kind of big in 2014 was that they got Imagine Dragons to perform at the World Championships and that was sort of that was one of their big celebrity acts so in the spirit spirit of the Olympics I'm hoping that they get a K-pop act this time around who did they get to perform last year did anybody perform at the Burst Nest cuz they had an act in 2015 as they well they had Jay Chow oh Jay Chow okay. my boy okay yeah they so they had a uh, they had Zed as well in LA and that was kind of mm-hmm. like at his celebrity peak as well but yeah the Imagine Dragons performance was actually incredible um I remember staying up and watching that event that was actually the event that made me want to write about esports um I would had watched a lot of LCS before that and Call of Duty and Smash but that was kind of the one that kind of pushed me over the edge is like actually this matters and this is important and I think that the spectacle of that was not only because of uh, the event but also the Imagine Dragons performance was pretty spectacular as well. Yeah, I mean Jacob, you're a, you're a K-pop fan like low key. Like what if they get BTS? That'd be cool. Yeah, I'm not like as into K-pop as a lot of the other people who probably listen to this podcast and that we talk to a lot, but I I listen sometimes. So oh, it'd be J- fun. Jacob shows me K-pop all the time. Like don't downplay yourself, dude. <laughs> Um, but no, I think I, I think I might actually have a heart attack if BTS is the main show, or even EXO or Red Velvet. I might actually die if Red Velvet shows up on stage. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. So this is something I wanted to talk about today was uh, the evolution of events. So last night, uh, Riot Chopper, Chris Hopper from Riot Games, who's now, he's worked a lot around Riot since I think season two. Um, but he is now the, the head of the NALCS, but at one point was working on the international team for esports at Riot. Uh, he was on Travis and uh, Mark Z's show, uh, Hotline League. He was talking about kind of like the evolution of uh, stages. And, you know, I think Riot's really trying to experiment in a lot of different ways. So what I took away from this international announcement, I was very 
underwhelmed uh, by MSI, the first part of MSI being in the EULCS studio. I think that that was... I understand why that's a thing. Um, Chopper said last night that it was part of it was because obviously they know how to produce on their own turf. Like that, that's their home studio. They produce out of there all the time for EULCS, and also you know it doesn't cost them any money to produce out of the EULCS studio when they have a mm-hmm. lease on it anyway. Um, but nonetheless, I I there's only like three days in France for that event. It's a three day event. It's a Friday, a Saturday, and a Sunday. And I'm a little underwhelmed by that. Um, I'm also extremely underwhelmed by. And I probably won't be going, but I'm extremely underwhelmed by where NALCS finals are this year uh, for spring, which are going to be in Miami. Miami. Mm-hmm. Miami's a great location. That arena, though, or that uh, theater, I guess, is not even an arena. The theater, like, they've had ticket issues for the last four weeks since they put tickets out for it, where, like, people were not able to get tickets. And there was this, like, early sign-up that you could do if you're an American Express ticket or a card member and... Like a bunch of people that were bought it and now they're re- being resold at like three or four times the price. And it's just, it was, it was such a small venue that it sold out very quickly through that. Like they didn't ration well. Ticketmaster didn't. So like, right. I'm I- very underwhelmed by that, uh, considering how well Riot has done with kind of putting on an esports spectacle. Um, those two events are kind of off putting. Right. And this isn't like a new problem. Like this was a big issue even during the, World Championships last year. I mean, scalpers would just, they have these incredible programs on their computers that just allow them to click like one million times a second. And mm-hmm. they're just able to buy out these tickets so quickly and sell them at a ridiculous price. I mean, I don't, Riot didn't do anything back then, but I don't know if, I don't know yeah, if it's that's going to change. It's different when it's in like a 2000 seat theater though, right? Because like the, uh, especially when you make like an early pre-sale to certain buyers, if somebody's a buyer that qualifies under that, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's American Express. You have to be an American Express card holder is the, the way that works. And like, there weren't any tickets available after that early opening. So like the general right, public yeah. just couldn't get tickets. Like there's right. just tons of ticket issues. And that's, that's on the scalpers, but it's also on Riot and Ticketmaster for not rationing that well, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and Ticketmaster yeah. is the sole vendor for this event. Yes. So yeah, I could see that why that's an issue. Yes. So um, a little just like perplexed at, at the fact that they chose that small of arena. Actually, from my understanding is that they didn't even ever reach out to the American Airlines Arena, which is the basketball stadium in Miami. They do have a conflict that night. They have a Disney on ice production, but I'm pretty sure they could have moved that for for LCS. Um, right. For you, LCS but you have to book these these arenas like a year in advance, right? You can do them like. I think four months was enough time. Right. I just wonder what the conversation was like at Riot. Like, oh, we should just throw it in the small arena. Well, remember that the American Airlines Arena is owned by people who are invested in esports. It's owned by the Miami Heat. Like, And there's also, there's no conflicting event at the basketball stadium at the University of Miami as well. There were other places that they could have put this besides this theater. And why I think the theater experience will be really cool, as we previously talked about, I'm just very underwhelmed by by MSI and, and ALCS finals for spring. I really hope the summer is a huge deal, like it always is, because um, right now, like, it's not looking too great for Riot right, right now in, in 20, 2018 with events. Right. So we're going to go to break in a second. But before that, if you have time, you can leave us a rating and a review in iTunes and let us know how we're doing. You can also tweet us your thoughts at Rachel Youngu and at Jacob and Wolf. You can also find us in the ESPN app, and if you subscribe to eSports in it, we can send you an alert whenever we have a new episode. And we're also on Spotify, so make sure to give us a subscription there as well.
Right, we are on Spotify. I that did not new. know that until yeah. recently. Yeah, well, that is new for us. So uh, if you are an Android li- listener or you don't use Apple Podcasts, you can find us on Spotify. All right, everyone, we're back with the podcast. Last time we left off, we talked about scalping, Ticketmaster, generally being sucky, and the problems getting tickets to these events. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what Riot will do in 2018. That's a little different with Rift Rivals and All-Stars. I mean, what were some of the pitfalls that you saw in 2017 and what do you hope that they improve on in 2018? I think that Rift Rivals, because it was a new idea last year and it was a new production, it was just like really out of the ordinary. And also just the timing, I get it. It's in the middle of the summer season or summer split. It just seemed like it was really hard for Riot to promote that event because it was so new and it was kind of late late announced you know like i think it was announced like a month and a half before it happened which is really short timing people in esports and i don't like to generalize a lot of the time but a lot of the event organizers in esports seem to think it's okay to announce things literally like three weeks before it happens it's like no you don't give enough time to the fans definitely don't give enough time to press like people have to make money concessions to go to these things that they want to like Announce things earlier, you know. I'm and it glad also that... conflicts with like other events, like BlizzCon and Worlds being the same weekend. Yeah, it's, like I'm, common. I'm thrilled that Faceit announced their CS:GO major, the next CS:GO major, because there's only two a year, and we already had the first one. They announced it like two weeks ago, and it's in September. You have like six <laughs> yeah. months to figure out what you're doing right. to get there. You know, like six months of planning, and tickets aren't on sale yet. So, um, I get that there's a lot of logistics, but man, like, I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, my hope for 2018 in terms of um, Rift Rivals and All-Stars is that I hope that they put less less emphasis on making All-Stars like a competitive event. I think that in 2017, we saw that kind of took out the fun from the event, which is what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a fun event, no? Um, And then for Rift Rivals, I mean, like you said, there was just so little hype for it. And throughout the event, it just felt like it felt like it didn't mean much. And it's trying to build these budding rivalries between regions. But I don't know if it accomplished that. I'll be honest. All-Stars is the most useless event in the League of Legends ecosystem every single year. Right. But it's still inter- it's entertainment at the end of the day. And I think that they should stick by that. I guess. But like my thing is it's in the middle of an off-season. There's so right, many yeah, other yeah. priorities in right. the world. <laughs> like, yeah. You have players like uprooting their lives and moving from South Korea, South Korea to North America, and they're having to worry about, oh, yeah, I got to go play this event for like a week. It's like, no, it's so silly. It, it's so ridiculous. It's actually such an issue in terms of logistics because it's right in the middle of the off season. The only time that some of these players have a break. And we've talked about this before, you know, like it's, yeah. if you're someone like Faker, you're a top player, right? You're always, because you're so popular, you're always going to get voted into All-Stars. You're probably going to be at MSI. You're probably going to be at Rift Trials. You're probably going to be at Worlds. Your competitive season, you have one break, and it's November. Like, that sucks. You know, like, there's literally no off-season for a top player. Right. So would the alternative be to just get rid of All-Stars? Yes. <laughs> I can just see yes. that you really I, hate I All-Stars. I really, like... <laughs> I liked All-Stars most when it was basically what MSI is now. If you remember the year that they had it in France, that was right. awesome. Yeah. I think that was 2014 as well, the same year they had uh, Worlds in Korea. That was great. Uh, it was, you know, all these teams and there were there was not a lot on the line, but like it was a very fun competitive event, you know, like it was Cloud9 and SK Telecom and I believe it was OMG that year. It was just a really enjoyable event to watch. Right. And I don't feel like 
since they made it more like a traditional all-star game, like other traditional sports, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me for it to be where it is now in terms of uh, scheduling. And also, it's just not a fun event to watch. I don't remember the last time I watched the All-Stars event. It's just boring. (laughs) Right. And, I mean, we're a little biased because we're a media company trying to cover All-Stars, and it's just impossible to cover. I mean, yeah. Like, I, I don't do anything from, like, the time of... November to January. Like, that time for me is... Rest time. <laughs> no, it's actually work time. It's off-season, right? So, like, I can't do oh, events. I can't do shuffle? events. You yeah, mean? I can't yeah. do events during that, that, like, time period. So, like, trying to throw something in there that just kind of ridiculous, to be honest. Right. Well, I mean, I'm trying to be realistic here and figure out, <laughs> figure out how they can improve on All-Stars and perhaps not just cutting out the event entirely. But I do agree that moving it into a different time slot would be nicer for the calendar year where would they move it though like that, that's the thing right, the, yeah, the League of Legends, which yeah here's the thing and counter-strike has this issue too it's really hard to find a time in a calendar on an active ecosystem the difference is with riot and why i would expect this and actually this is what blizzard's done really well with the overwatch league if we're comparing some of the mistakes that that blizzard's learned from is blizzard has their season from january until july i think is when playoffs are and then there's that like wide open period and they want to do an all-star game and stuff but you have july until literally the following january or december for preseason where you just have a gap you can throw something in there that's fine players get like a four-month break it's better than a month from not even that for some of them because worlds worlds ended in like early november last year and all stars was early december there was almost no time to sit there and do nothing and these players need because their burnout so high and the hours are so taxing they need some time right three or four weeks maybe even more to sit there and do absolutely nothing right right so i don't i don't know where you'd put all stars i don't know what you do with it like maybe you make it i mean my my in in a perfect world, like I would get rid of Rift Rivals and just put All Stars there instead, because Rift Rivals takes up so much time and it's just across so many different regions. And honestly, I I mean, I personally wasn't very hyped for Rift, Rift Rivals last year, and I think that there were issues that allowed teams to kind of not care about winning it as much. So it just it makes more sense for me to move it where Rift Rivals is and just get rid of Rift Rivals altogether. So here is my uh, proposal, and this is very rough because it's all on spot. Get rid of Spring Split. Uh, have whoa, we just got rid of <laughs> an entire like four months of competitive play. Exactly, I think that should be the off season. To be perfectly honest, get rid of Spring Split. You would rather have? I'd rather have something in like March and April that's more of like a tournament rather than an actual season, and then have MSI that feeds from that tournament, and then have. Uh, have MSI that feeds from that tournament, have Summer, get rid of Riff Rivals, have Worlds, have All-Star, and then have a break until uh, November until March. Wow. I think that makes sense, scheduling-wise. Or do the inverse and have Spring Split qualify in MSI and then have like some type of other tournament over the summer. Like, even if it's a domestic tournament. Just something smaller. Like, having two really long splits is taxing. Right, but I don't know if necessarily getting rid of an entire spring split is what solves the situation. Like, I totally get where you're coming from, because spring split in the grand scheme of things matters so little to qualifying to Worlds compared to the summer split. Yeah, its points are unbalanced. Right, but... 
I guess what I'm trying to say is that would it make more sense to get rid of a short ter- shorter tournament such as Rift Rivals and replace that with All Stars instead of getting rid of instead of getting rid of an entire like split? Yeah, I think that would make a difference. Or you could also get rid of Rift Rivals, make the summer split a little faster, get rid of the gauntlet so people that don't participate in the gauntlet. Right. Have September until till January to rest if they're not going to Worlds. That would make sense because then you're top, like, I guess that's the price you pay for being a top player, right, is that you you are so involved in all this time. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, like, it just feels like a really long season right now with all the events that they have. Right, for sure. And it is. It's way longer than most any other sport. Like, the NBA is maybe the only other comparable one because it's an October until April season, April to July playoffs. But then they have July until October to get everything together. Like, and the All-Star game is in the middle of the season as well, which gives people a week reprieve. So, right. I, I think, guess, I I guess think, you could do that. Right, yeah, yeah. I I think this conversation has just made me appreciate Faker so much more as a competitor because if you really think about all the hours that he locks in and you almost never hear about this guy complaining about burnout. Same thing with Bjergsen. Right. Like, you don't see it with him. Like, there are these top players who are consistently involved in all of these tournaments and you don't hear them ever promote about it i'm sure that they they feel it but like you know we always talk about esports as an aging issue and i think that part of the reason that that you don't see people that are it in their 30s that are esports players a lot of the time at least in a high volume as much as you do late teens and early 20s is because when you do that for a consistent amount of time be four years uh you're really just kind of pressed with burnout you know like if you do that for four or five years of your life in a row i imagine you don't feel very good at the end of it and you don't want to do it anymore Right. So, moral of the story, right? You need vacation. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. You need to give your players vacation time. Shout out, just shout outs to G two. Do they? Oh my God, Jacob. Uh, that's an old one. Yeah, G <laughs> two taking the MSI vacation. Take MSI as a vacation. All right, that's all the time we have the, for the podcast today. Thank you, Jacob, for joining me. For more esports content, you, you can check out ESPN.com slash esports, or you can follow us on Twitter at Rachel Youngu and at Jacob Enmol. Thanks for listening to the ESPN Esports Podcast.